Hello, readers. Welcome to 20 Questions with Your Favorite Author, where we ask authors important questions like, why would you agree to be on this podcast? I'm Kelly Lynn Colby, Editorial Director at Curse Dragonship Publishing. Our guest this week is Stevie Ray Causey, fantasy writer and podcast host. Stevie is a nerd living in the Pacific Northwest. Special interests include relational psychology, symbolism, hiking, and dogs. She may very well just be a series of coping mechanisms in a trench coat masquerading as human. If she's not your favorite now, she will be after. Woohoo! Welcome, Stevie! How are you feeling this evening? I'm doing pretty good for a Tuesday that's really my Monday. That's <laughs> You begin your week on, on, on Tuesdays, huh? Is that your thing? No, uh, only this week. This is a, an unusual week for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. School starting has put everything off on this. What should yeah. be a traditional schedule and nothing is traditional right now. Yeah. My uh, oldest has high school orientation tomorrow um, for their first year on campus, but, but they are a sophomore. So everything was digital. They've never actually been to the high school. And yeah, tomorrow is the day for that. Wow. Ah. Wow. Anyway. Exciting. It's almost like normal. It's almost like life's getting back to normal. I don't, I mean, I don't feel like my kid is in high school. That doesn't feel normal. I'm like, wait, weren't you just born? <laughs> like, I'm not, I don't know what normal is yet, but like, maybe. Oh, it all happens so quickly. It's weird to have them. So my youngest would be starting kindergarten this year. And so they're very, I'm either the youngest mom or the oldest mom, depending on the friend group. Now that I understand. That yeah. I understand. I, I know when things were changing when I was the youngest mom and now I'm the oldest mom. That's. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I'm looking down, looking down the barrel of my son going to all the schools that my, my older two are going to and going, Oh man, I'm going to be so much older and still having to come to these. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me tell you. Um, Let's see, where are we? Oh, questions. I'm supposed to ask you questions. I think that's what we're supposed to do here. Yeah, sorry. I'm too friendly. It's oh, me too. It's okay. Time. I mean, we have an hour. It'll be fine. Um, let's see. Our first question is, where do you get your ideas? Oh, man. Where do I get my ideas? It's usually while I'm avoiding other things I'm supposed to be writing. <laughs> um, it's a little bit of... Of a demand avoidance, uh, dopamine seek. <laughs> uh, my most recent release for 70 plus, it's a short that I did for an an anthology that I didn't end up getting into and I published the story anyway, was inspired by a meme that I saw. So <laughs> that's my first one that was just like a random scroll while I was supposed to be working on King's Prisoner and was like, ooh, let's do this instead. <laughs> um beyond that i'm inspired a lot by my kids again persephone plus was partially a love story to my kiddo uh there's a non-binary kiddo in the retelling that i did and my kid came out two years ago and so and then subsequently their sister um came out as gay as well this year so there's a little bit of that where they wanted to see you know everyone talks about persephone and hades like mm -hmm. they were this Romeo and Juliet like thing and really none of the gods were monogamous but could we write it in a way that's not toxic 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we do a lot of that kind of talk at the dinner table. It it varies from like, oh, which ways were Medusa's story told completely wrong to like, if you eat a werewolf, is it cannibalism? Was yesterday. So um, there's a lot of opportunity for ideas and kicking things back and forth at our house. That is awesome. The whole family of writers talking about yeah, philosophy. It, it is pretty. Yeah, my oldest does more visual art now, but they did win some writing awards in their younger days. And my 10 year old is very big into writing right now. Um, and my husband recently fell in love with D&D. And so he's been doing a lot of, I know this is the pot telling the kettle, but world building is hard. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm basically just completely exposed all the time to an opportunity to think of something worth writing about. That is awesome. Well, you write mostly fantasy. What sparked your interest in this genre? Um, I was a big fantasy nerd as a kid. My author origin story is actually like The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Um, Started out with the 1970s version, uh, like the Warner Brothers cartoon. Like that's what I was raised on. And then by third grade, I was reading The Hobbit. Um, I got to go to an advanced showing of one of the movies when it first came out. And that was just like, that was it for me. Um, Coming from the background that I came from, I wanted a lot of escape. But I also found that fantasy did some really cool things that it doesn't get enough credit for when you talk about like lit fit versus genre fiction, where it plays with symbolism and what makes us human. And there's less um, restrictions to it. So I don't like to be told what I can't do. I love that. Yeah. 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 No, makes sense to me. Me neither. Yeah. None of us like yeah. it. Trouble with authority. That's writers right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'll make my own rules. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a lot of YA fantasy fans among our listeners. So, what can you tell them about? Is it Amasai? Uh, Amasai, yeah. Or Amasai. It's. I try not to tell my readers how to say something. I know that I personally get super upset if I have fallen in love with a character and then I hear it said, like, a new way and my way is wrong. So I try not to do that. I'll accept either one. Um, It's based off a Hebrew word that meant uh, bearer of burdens. Oh, fascinating. So what can you tell us about uh, that series? Um, So that series is classic secret heir to the elven throne like half elf princess thrown into a position that she didn't ask for um trying to find her way um it's an extension of oh go ahead i love that you used an elf as the main character instead of a human i really like elves like yeah it's based on it's an extension of ring of fire which is the very first book that I published and one that I conceptualized in the middle of a science class that I got caught writing in class. And he was like, all right, well, turn in your homework and remember me when you're famous. (laughs) And at that time I was like, so into elves again, this is when Lord of the Rings was coming out. And I was like, yes, this is, (laughs) this is it forever. And when I first released the book, it wasn't like in, but I I was doing it anyway, because my dad was dying. I wanted him to see it done. And it's just recently like come back into popularity and I'm like, yes, this is my time. (laughs) So they're all going on audio this year. And yeah, it's been a blast. And I love Elves. I just do. That's awesome. I love it. (laughs) So is this series complete or are there more books to come? 
It is complete. Yeah, so it's a complete trilogy. Ring of Fire is the prequel. Um, Amasai Rising is actually free on Kindle today, uh, coincidentally, which I had forgotten about until I got the notice that like things were skyrocketing. So anyone who's listening can totally download that for free today. Nice. I I maybe might have did that when I was doing research. Yes. So yeah, so it's it's Amasai. It's A M A S A S A I Rising. So mm-hmm. if you look that up, get it now. Get your ebook for free. Um, so your bio talks about your focus on writing for teens. So talking about your dinner table, I'm starting to understand that. I'm getting a picture here. So what do you hope that that group of young people get from your work? Oh, man. This is actually, I love that you asked that question because this trilogy, was. I started writing it after I published my first book and said I was never going to do that again because it was so hard. And it was 2016 and I just had a baby and I was like, never, never again. This is so difficult. I had to figure out all these things. Uh And then I couldn't not do it. And I was looking at my oldest who was going through some identity things that we didn't know what it was at the time and seeing them struggle with some of the mental health stuff that was like, that I could relate to from that time in my life. And I thought, if I was going to tell a story about it, because my kid was a big reader, what would I want my kid to know? And I tried to fashion this world off of that idea. So I aim to give everyone, but especially young adults, the opportunity to explore themes that might be too difficult to approach directly and give them a chance to process those things. Um, which is especially important to me that it be done like appropriately quote unquote um to to their brain development because there is so much research on the way that reading changes our brains the way that we process that emotion through reading and our brains signal as if we're experiencing it for like 72 hours after you finish reading and so to me I'm like okay well if I could get in some kid's brain that doesn't have you know that's doing like I am sitting in the library after school to avoid going home what would I want to say oh I love that that is beautiful hey Gretchen says you're number one in your category right now That's the first time that's happened. I'm gonna screenshot it. I need to print it, Gretchen. Yes, it yes. came so next to my one from the Weaver Sun last year that made number two. <laughs> awesome. I always print it out so that if I ever decide that I'm not doing it, I'm just like, well, but they're waiting. <laughs> I need look, they have fans. I'm gonna have to write. Once. Yeah. <laughs> I was number two. That's awesome. Yeah, so Jenny, Jenny says she really appreciates that too. So oh, yeah having that story for someone when they don't want to go home. I think a lot of us can relate to that, right? Yeah. Even if it's because you don't want to go home and do dishes. That's my current life. (sighs) And I'm so glad that that's my teenager's favorite chore. What? I didn't know. I don't know how I scored that. (laughs) That is one special kid. It is. Yeah. I think I'll keep them. That's awesome. Um, Let's see. Well, so you talked about how you want to inspire teens. Who has inspired you along the way? Oh, man. So many people have inspired me. My very first, um, again, during that time before I had read 
The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, but I was still super into the series. I had a teacher, he was my second grade teacher, and he taught in a low-income district where the building actually used to be an asylum before they made it a school. So, <laughs> How do you I not know, write right? horror? Because <laughs> I'm lived it. <laughs> Gretchen does a little of it. <laughs> I love that. It's so real. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> uh, he was just a rad dude, and he was really eclectic, and he would do, like, um, puzzles and stuff for us to just think about stuff through the day, and we would be rewarded with, like, geological finds from the area I have, which, again, I'm into, like, collecting rocks and stuff because of this dude, and one of the ones he did that no one had ever solved was from The Hobbit. It was one of the ones that Gollum, the answer was egg. And uh, and I knew it, and he was like, wait, what? And I'm like, oh, I've watched the movie. And he's like, all right, I cannot do any more from that. But, hey, socially, like, I struggled in, in school a little bit to make connections. So he was like, hey, we're having an ice cream party soon. And he brought that movie and showed it to everyone so that everyone would have a reference for this, like, obscure thing that I had identified myself with, like, speaking out about. So that is probably my very beginning that is an amazing teacher. Oh, so, so amazing. I was like, oh, my goodness, stories have currency? Like, yes, social currency, gimme. Um, and he did a lot of stuff like that. So that was my very first experience with, wait, this thing I love can actually elicit attention in real life? <laughs> and plus he he gave you instead of saying oh nerd what what are you talking about this yeah thing he like accepted you and said you were awesome yeah and he was the first one to tell me that he was like did you know it's a book and I was like wait what <laughs> no one had ever told me and you're like I must have that book must have yeah by the next year I had it I still have my old crumbly copy it was second hand when I got it and it's been through some stuff Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that's, you know, when they're crumbly and they smell like mildew, you know they were loved. They were loved. And then you have to get another copy so you can have one to read. Well, then you keep that one on your shelf and you just get the digital copy to read. See, that's, that's what oh. I do. <laughs> uh-huh. See, you're like digital and I'm like, hardback special edition? Illustrated? What? I'm like, there's, that's the one that will always get me is the illustrated one. Yes. Thanks. But again, I put them on my shelf. Look, like I have the Harry Potter on the shelf. Oh, yeah. Last time I reread them, last time I reread them, I did them on my Kindle because it's a lot lighter. It is a lot lighter. It's been a while since I've read that series, and the last time that I read it, I did it in reverse order. <laughs> hilarious. Uh, yeah, I was young and, and married and home all the time and everything was easy to clean before children and I would, had read it forward so many times. I was like, I wonder what I could find if I read it last to first. What You know, that's actually a very clever thing to do as a writer, if nothing yeah, else. Yeah, I hadn't uh -huh. thought of it at the time, but maybe I need to start redoing that. Mm -hmm. That's very clever. Um, let's see, where was I? Oh, in The Weaver's Son. You reimagine Rumpelstiltskin from fairy tale repute. Why did you choose this particular character? Um, because I wanted to learn how to spin wool, and my friend was doing a Sleeping Beauty, so I didn't want to copy her. So I picked Rumpelstiltskin, <laughs> and um, had a really great time with it because I love villains. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, sometimes they're the most fun, right? Because they're the most they misunderstood. They really are. And yeah, it gives a lot of a lot of opportunity to to play with some stuff. I got to pick apart some lore. It was how I found out that, you know, my first series is a little bit of myth and match is what I call it. Where I was like, what can I throw into a blender from all the different types? And this was more focused on uh, Nordic because I wanted to use Holda as gotcha. the figure head mm-hmm. of the Fey world in that book. So yeah, so I wanted to I wanted to learn something cultural and I wanted to learn how to spin wool. I wanted an excuse to go find a, a spinning wheel and be like, it's for work. <laughs> <laughs> I have two now. Their names are Minerva and Jonas. <laughs> so you named them? Yes, you must. D- just don't prick your finger. No, uh, no, but they, you know, actually one of them is a spindle wheel and it does hurt if you poke it, I found out. Yeah, does hurt. <laughs> That's so funny. I want to do this hobby. How can I write it off of my taxes? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Did not get to sleep for 100 years, unfortunately. But No, you have children. That's never happening. No, it's never happening again. I did the fairy tale backwards. (laughs) 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 So what is it about fairy tales that inspire you to explore them more deeply? Um... Well, my dad was an English teacher, and I got to sit in on a lot of his lectures, like got to, had to, because it was visitation and he had work, you know, everything doesn't add up schedule-wise between the classes, and he did a lot of talk about symbolism and culture in writing and the different purposes that literature serves and the different ways that we change things as things have been colonized over time. And he, he did a lot of this with uh, second language learners and international students. And so it was a very accessible level for me as a kid to learn about like, what is a fallacy and how, how did we take this rule from this language and this one from that? Um, And so I've always had an interest in where do these ideas come from? How is this an example of our brain telling us about ourselves? Very like Carl Jung Mm -hmm. type (laughs) type, uh, storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I also love fantasy. And I like modernizing things. So, for example, I have a story coming out next month. It's a Beauty and the Beast retelling. And it's, yeah, oh, I had, it's, Probably, like, I call it my opus, and everyone says, no, you've got so much more ahead of you. And I'm like, no, this was it. This was the peak of my... I love this story so much. Um, I don't think you're allowed to label your own opus. Sorry. Uh, Dang it. Well, I guess our listeners are going to have to label it for me. That's right. Let me know in in your review which one is my opus, please. (laughs) We'll take take a poll, um, and we'll update you later. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so I had read that it was originally written as a social story to prepare French girls for arranged marriages. Mm. And so I was like, okay, well, then mine's getting a library and a dog instead of a prince. (laughs) (laughs) That's an arrangement I could get. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I like to turn it on, turn it on its head a little bit. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. I love it. I love it. Hey, uh, Florida Kevin wants to know, is Rumpelstiltskin still a villain in your story, though? Well, so 
the thing about villains is the way that a villain is labeled depends highly on who's telling the story. And the first book is his origin story. So it's him as a child and it's told mostly from the perspective of his mother who is a banished Narn. Narns are like the fates in Greek mythology. Okay. Um, and he is the result of, of a, a spell that she wasn't supposed to do while she was banished to the mortal realm. And oops, she got a changeling kid instead of a human one, um, which just made things worse. And so his destiny is that, yeah, he's going to he's gonna doom this kingdom. Um, but from the perspective of the princess, is he villainous? No, he's saving her life. And when we come down to, like, why would he choose it? Like, I can't give spoilers, but when we come down to why would he choose the child, would his acts be seen as villainous to the reader? No, but that's the thing about villains is they're only villains if you're separate from them. Once you get into their psyche, I really believe that villains are created. They're not born. And you get to see that a lot in this story. Um, because his mother, man, oh, she screwed up the tapestry without knowing what she was doing. She did a lot of harm. She is the villain in her world, but she's not the villain in his. Mm -hmm. He's She's mom. Even though she maybe should be. Like, yeah, there's a lot in it. Mm-hmm. That sounds like fun. Yeah, I always think of, what is it? It's Ender's Game, right? Like at the end where he was like, the problem is I really understand the enemy now. And now that I really understand them, I empathize yeah. with them. And now I can't yeah. hate them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's really it's really hard to, to hate them when you can empathize with them. Yeah. Yep. So um, that sounds fun. I'm going to get back to that one. Yeah. The uh, And what what's the uh, first book in that one called? In that series? It's called The Weaver's Son. So The Weaver's Son is the name of the series and the first book, yes. Uh, King's Prisoner is set to come out in January. Knock on all the wood. <laughs> There's been a little <laughs> bit of distance between book one and book two. So part of what we're doing is uh, I've actually run it through a second editor and I'm doing an expanded edition of book one that will hopefully release at the same time as book two. Nice. Yeah. So let's see. Now that we've talked about your worlds a little bit, so we have kind of a you know, a little inkling about how your your brains work. I have a question. If you were forced to live in one of your worlds by a particularly tricky genie, it has to be a genie. I mean, who else would do this, right? Yeah. Which one would you choose? Hmm. Okay. I would actually choose the world from the Beauty and the Beast because that's kind. Of, it's kind of a metaphor for the one I'm living in now. And there's no place like home. Oh, even <laughs> after uh, 18 months of being stuck in it? Are you sure? No, I kind of like it. I just filled it up with plants. <laughs> 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 I have my own office. I shut the door. There's lots of plants here, and it's great. <laughs> uh, all you need is the dog, and it's just like Beauty and the Beast. I understand why you like yeah, that one now. Dogs, plants, books. There you go. <laughs> and a spinning wheel for some reason. I'm sure they were spinning in France. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why you have to have a dog and not a cat, because the cat would totally get oh, into that yard. yes. It would be a mess. Yes, it would. Yes, yes. So have you watched any TV lately that you've really gotten into? Oh, man, that I've really gotten into. You know, I've kind of settled into my old age recently, and my husband and I have been watching a lot of backyard builds. <laughs> 
Um, it's kind of refreshing. He used to be a real estate agent. He's really into those like fix it, flip it type stuff. I'm more into the one where they go and do a table, not a house. Mm. But this one is like backyard stuff. They're two Canadians. They both are neurodivergent. They both have ADD. And you can see it in how they interact with each other. They're best friends. They do like stuff that says, you guys have universal health care when they're like on the job site. <laughs> and it's delightful. I'm just real like as as a just chill at the end of the day is a great watch. That's awesome. Yeah, we've been watching all the cooking stuff on Netflix, and we've seen mm-hmm. all of it now. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not kidding. All, all of it. I'm like, we need more cooking shows. <laughs> yes, we've done we've done many of them as well. I think we've run out of of them. Yeah. There was a new yeah. one, a Leftovers one, so we watched all of that one, too. <gasps> Will somebody please oh, yeah, friggin' feed Phil again? I used that to... What was that? I said, will somebody please friggin' feed Phil again? Because that's hilarious. <laughs> that was like our favorite. It was so cool. Yeah, I, I'm a nailed it in the realm of baking and cooking. I'm real big on the nailed it shows. I love when they go for the gold and they fail miserably and everyone just rolls with it. <laughs> Talk about just for fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah, just for fun and hopefully cake. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to eat any of their cake. Some of that, like, if it's ugly, but you didn't stick something weird in it, I'm cool. But those people that are like, I'll just put some styrofoam under this, you know, mold of chocolate. <laughs> well, they don't eat this part. <laughs> and, like, it's relatable, but no. What about they were making donuts and they gave them the dough already ready and risen? I was like, but uh-huh. that's the that hard part. Cheating. That's cheating. Yeah, this is really just decorating nailed it. <laughs> like, that's I think cheating. after the first couple seasons of having to eat some of it, the, the hosts were like, uh-uh, no more. <laughs> no. I put my foot you down. <laughs> <laughs> there are well, lines you do not cross. <laughs> Well, if you could have one of your stories turned into a movie or TV series or a cooking show, uh, which one would it be? Um, I think Persephone Plus would blend itself really well to a series. Uh, it's a modernized Greek retelling. They're in college. They're figuring out all the college-y things. Um, and then they're also, you know, trying to keep Adonis from getting killed, trying to salvage a marriage, trying to keep Aphrodite from causing too much trouble. And I just think it would be on screen, super fun antics. Yes, that would be fun. See, and you have so many Greek gods. And if you're also involving the Norse gods, like you've got so much to work with. Yeah, I, I play with all the things. Let's see. And um, are you working on anything new that you're over the moon excited about? But, well, you talked about Beauty and the Beast. Is there anything else? Um, new, new. There's King's Prisoner, which I will be excited to be done with. If that ever, like, if, when that happens. But I was hoping it would be farther than now. Mm. Um, and then Persephone Plus has actually been expanded to a Vela serial, so I'm working on episode seven of that right now, and I'm super stoked to be writing this particular episode. Nice. 
So those who don't know what Vela is, it is a Amazon program. So it's in their Kindle thing where you release one chapter at a time. And so you can go in, they'll give you points for that. So you give, is it, it's coins or tokens or something. And you yeah, use them to read the stories. What are they, tokens? They're tokens. You get 200 free for signing up too, so. Nice. So yeah. you could go in and then you just do, you you use tokens when you decide what you want to read. So it's kind of fun. It's interesting. You have to tell us how that goes. I've appreciated it. I've struggled, especially as a creator during the times that we are in, the unprecedented, um, with buckling down and like reading, which is necessary for writing mm -hmm. and finishing something. So when they offered the serialized, I was like, oh, what a wonderful opportunity for a lot of different reasons. And I find myself really enjoying that very short. And then I feel like I accomplished a thing, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, in Unless the reading and writing. I've, I'm surprised at how many, like I'm a fantasy reader and writer, except for on Vela, I'm more into cozies. That's funny. Yeah. Maybe it just so, fits better. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder what, yeah, I'm like, I, I'm curious about the mechanism of this, because this is how I always get, is I'm like, here's this cool thing, I wonder how it works, psychologically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what makes you a good writer, it's all good. Yeah. And let's see, we talked, well, Gretchen's on, so I do want to talk about your podcast. So I see that you also co-host a podcast. It's, I love the name, by the way, The Exceptionally Average Authors. Yes. What made you do such a crazy thing? Uh, Gretchen. Gretchen <laughs> and I, actually, I think the first time that Gretchen and I worked together was at Geek Girl Con, and she heard me talking with another author that we booth with who had previously been my professor. Uh, I went to school to be an interpreter for the deaf. And we just happened to cross paths as authors later. And we were in this heated debate and Gretchen was like, you should have a podcast. And I was like, no, but thank you. You know, me at my first con with my one book, like terrified. <laughs> I don't even like this much attention. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, fast forward a few years and the shutdown happens and Gretchen's like, I'm gonna be home all the time. This is the perfect time to do this. And I was like, uh-huh, okay, because sometimes Gretchen and I, we dream big, we make these really long lists, she makes these really long lists, and I say it's a bad idea, and some things happen and some things don't, but I was, like, willing to kick around the idea, and then she came to me with, like, the whole first season planned and interviews, and she figured out Anchor herself, and I was like, okay, cool, and then she found a designer for the thing, and I was like, I guess we're doing this, <laughs> and, and we rolled with it, it's been super fun to just talk about the process of writing, how it's changed. She's been in the game a little bit longer than I have. And some of our guests have been in publishing. I, one of our guests was a, he's a professor and he's been in since like, you, you know, short fiction was how you cut your teeth, which is kind of why I moved over to short fiction for, for a while. Cause he was like, oh, look at you. And in the best way, like in the best way, he was like, the audacity to write a novel and put it out like good for you and I was like <laughs> okay maybe I'll go work on short fiction now like and, and he's like no this is a wonderful thing more more creators should put their work out there there should be less gatekeeping um so yeah we get to meet a lot of really great people we get to tell a lot of really weird stories it's a fun time Nice. Yeah, Jen linked the uh, uh, Jenny linked the podcast for us. Thank you, Jenny. So it's in the chat. Um, but if people want to look it up, so I know it's the um, exceptionally average authors, and there's more to it. What's the rest of it? Explain it all. 
That's it. Explain it all. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, there are more letters. Look at the pictures. We're going for like a, a Gretchen came out with the you know average authors, and I you know of course playing off the fact that I'm autistic was like, oh, let's be exceptionally average because that's tagged a lot. You know, so I was like, exceptionally average, haha. And explain it all was kind of like a, a throwback to Clarissa explains it all, which is kind of, yeah. <laughs> know a little bit about what to expect. Someday we're going to release patches and they're going to be like average patches for the average author accomplishments. Nice. Yeah. Man. I learned, Girl Scout I learned like to create a backup the hard way, that kind of thing. But my Girl Scout cup, they quickly learned I would do anything for a patch. Yeah. I, I will. I'll do just about anything for a patch. I am. That's amazing. Fan. See, Gretchen, you had a great idea. Mm -hmm. That's that a great idea. Baby too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have a whole blanket full of patches. I love them. It's actually literally full. I need a new one. That's Let's amazing. See. You should make a cloak next. Ooh, I should. It'd be warm too. Cause those patches are heavy when you sew them. It would, yeah. And you can put them on the inside and be like, look at all my patches. <laughs> Instead of thanks, it has pockets. Thanks, it has patches. Like, there's so much opportunity. That could be my cosplay. I don't have a cosplay. That would totally work for me. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, well, speaking of cosplay, we're heading to Dragon Con next week. We adore Dragon Con. We're a little addicted. We talk about it a lot. Do you have any conventions you're looking forward to? I haven't really planned out conventions through the fall and winter yet. Pending, you know, what's going on with variants in my area. But I am on the list for Nerd Fair, which is happening in February. It's a fairly newer con. It had been in its, like, first or second second year, right before the shutdown. And, yeah, it had a great crowd. We had our own Krampus and all sorts of adventure. That's awesome. Yeah, Gretchen says Dragon Con is her pipe dream. I'm like, no, it's it it can be a reality. It does not have to be a pipe dream. It's Gretchen, amazing. let's take the podcast on the road. They do have an entire podcasting section. So they have Can all kinds you, of stuff. We could we could record our experience driving to Dragon Con together. Mm -hmm. She would kick me out by like, like the second day. She would be all done. It's it's awesome. Well, when you decide to come, let us know and we'll guide you around because it's absolutely so much fun. Yeah, we're very addicted. Yeah, and y'all can uh, apply for uh, attending professional so that you can go in. You can actually be on panels and stuff. It's a lot of fun. Rad. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, well, I think I did all the really big questions. And so we're down to the lightning round. You ready for the fast ones? Oh, man. Yes. All right, all right here we go. What hobbies do you enjoy to refill your creative cup? Ah, do I have hobbies? Plants, mostly. Plants, I like that. I like that. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Regular chocolate. Just regular chocolate. I like that. Country you want to visit? Canada. As <laughs> plain <laughs> as that seems. Isn't that a hop, skip, and a jump? I mean, it's it really hard. Is. I went once at 15 for just a day. I want to go for more than one day. <laughs> I think you can. I think you can make that happen. I think so. It's a realistic dream. That, that's a realistic dream. I like it. What part of your daily routine is an absolute must? Coffee. <laughs> I feel ya. I feel ya. What is your potluck go-to? Mac and cheese. Delicious. Homemade? Oh, yeah. And finally, last question. Where can fans find you and your work? All of my work is available on Amazon and select 
works are available wide persephone plus specifically you can get on audio from your library if you want um and socially i'm on instagram stevie ray classy i am kind of floating around on twitter and facebook but really it's instagram it's plants dogs rabbits the plot bunnies get featured a lot <laughs> They add to the story. You write about them. Come on, elaborate uh, a dog. My husband to agree to have two rabbits. As I was like, it's a business investment. They're plot bunnies. Their names are Albus Bumbledore and Sybil Trebunley. Oh my <laughs> gosh, that is the cutest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> Until you have to go to the vet and write it on a form. Okay, hold on, it's oh, a little long. <laughs> yeah, I get photos when they go in for their nail clips and stuff. They're super, <laughs> they're super suave when we go. Oh, that's adorable. Um, excellent, excellent. So thank you very much for being on. So now that Stevie is your new favorite author, please make sure to review her work and review us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Twitch. And we do want to thank our subscribers on Twitch. Uh, right now we have DH Dunn, Mari, and Friday Blue. Thank you so much. Y'all help us keep these lights on. And for everyone else, we will see you next week where we have, where it'll be our last thing to do or that we do before we jump on the car and head out to Dragon Con. So Tuesday night, and it'll be Mark W. Stallings. So we'll see y'all next week. Yeah, that would be quite a drive from Washington, Gretchen. But, you know, y'all should check out Emerald City Con. That's close to you. That's really incredible. Have you been to that one? Gretchen's done it. Yeah, so that one, that one's on my list, even though it's way far.